0: From KBOO in Portland, Oregon, this is Progressive Spirit, progressivespirit.net. I'm John Schach. The Presbyterian Church USA will be meeting in Portland June 18th through the 26th. Once every two years, the Presbyterians have their General Assembly. Speaking to a committee of the Assembly will be Nahida Gordon, author of Palestine is Our Home, Voices of Loss, Courage, and Steadfastness.
1: There are also a lot of uh examples uh, of administrative detention of children in Israeli prisons and on this subject I'm presenting an overture at the Presbyterian General Assembly for the safety and well-being of children. Torture and mistreatment of Palestinian children in Israeli military jails is well documented by many human rights organizations and I hope to bring this to the General Assembly and have uh, the, the church asking Israel to change its ways.
0: Dr. Gordon is Professor Emerita at Case Western Reserve University. Her field of study is probability and statistics. Her passion and the reason she's speaking with me today is advocacy for justice and peace in Palestine. She's an elder in the Presbyterian Church USA and a member of the steering committee of the Israel-Palestine Mission Network and Advocacy Committee For Racial Justice with the Presbyterian Church USA. She's the author of this newly released book, Palestine is Our Home, Voices of Loss, Courage, and Steadfastness, and she's with me via Skype from her home in Ohio. Welcome, Dr. Gordon, to Progressive Spirit.
1: Thank you very much for having me. It's uh, my honor.
0: Now, you are from Palestine. You experienced firsthand the 1948 Palestinian Nakba. You were a young girl then living in Jaffa. What do you remember from that experience?
1: I have a lot of very vivid memories, and I uh, have written about some of them in the book. Probably the most, uh, besides wonderful memories of being together with family, uh, we used to go every uh, week uh, to dinner with my grandmother in Jerusalem. My father would drive us from Jaffa and back. So this that's part of a wonderful memory. School was wonderful as well. However, there are some uh, painful memories uh, particularly trying to go to sleep at night, listening to the bombs, uh, being uh, uh, directed towards Jaffa by the Israeli Haganah forces. It was really quite difficult and frightening time. I also remember very vividly after uh, a very well-known and famous bombing in the Market Square in Jaffa, downtown Jaffa, near where my father had his offices, he was uh, there when the bomb went off it was actually a truck packed with explosives and then hidden with oranges uh... left by two israeli terrorists when the bomb went off the whole municipality building came down and the explosion was so loud that it it blew out windows all over the square and my father was actually in a building where part of the ceiling fell down he saved himself by uh... he told us by uh... jumping underneath a table Uh, He was wounded, and I have a very vivid memory of seeing him coming home just soaked with blood, uh, my mother trying to clean him up. So there were a lot of frightening memories in Jaffa near the end there. This was in the spring of 1948.
0: Many people do not know uh, what the Nakba was. Can you give a brief overview of what happened, and and even has it happened with you? Uh,
1: The Nakba is an Arabic word which means catastrophe or, uh, well, basically catastrophe. Just a very brief uh, history. Palestine, in the first part of the 20th century, had about 6 or 8% of its population were Jewish uh, uh, Palestinians. They had been in Palestine for many years. They A lot of them spoke Arabic. They ate our food, and, and uh, we were good friends. One of my best friends was a child of a Christian man and a Jewish woman. Uh, and when the, the British took Palestine from the Ottoman Turks during and after the uh, First World War, they encouraged a lot of immigration of European Jews into Palestine, and the proportion of the population started to increase. The, the Muslims and the Christians realized right away what the British were doing, and they started complaining. The first uprising was in 1922. And one of the last uprisings uh, ended the year I was born in 1939. It began in 36. The British systematically uh, disarmed the Palestinians, and during the last uprising, they are known to have either banished, executed, uh, or imprisoned 5,000 of the leaders of the Palestinian community. So the Palestinian community was disarmed, and uh, the the Jewish community was well-armed, well-equipped, and the British did everything they could they could to help them uh, build their institutions to form a homeland in, in Palestine. And so there were a lot of troubles then started between the Palestinians, the Jews, and the British. By 1947, things had really gotten quite bad, and England took it to the United Nations, and the General Assembly recommended partition of Palestine. Mind you, United Nations does not have the right to partition any country and General Assembly uh, resolutions were only recommendations, they were not law. It, it actually even the Security Council doesn't have a right to partition a entry. And at the same time the Security Council was discussing Palestine, and they were thinking of forming a trusteeship under the United States. But while that was going on, um, this was into April. By May 15, Israel declared itself a country, and the Truman administration, almost within six minutes recognized Israel, and that gave it instant legitimacy. Now, between 47 and May 15, before any Arab forces came into into Palestine to protect the the, uh, Muslim and Christian populace, the Israelis began a campaign of ethnic cleansing. These are very well documented in many, many books, uh, also written by uh, many Israelis as well as Palestinians. As many as 750,000 Palestinians were expelled uh, from Palestine, and over 500 villages were destroyed. By 1949, there was an armistice signed that drew the boundaries that you see today, uh, the West Bank and Gaza. The West Bank was with Jordan, Gaza was with Egypt, and the rest of Palestine, 78% was with Israel. So basically, the Nakba in 1948 was the loss of our homeland and our communities.
0: Now, it's been nearly 70 years. Uh, the goal of Israeli leaders for is for Palestinians and the rest of the world to forget what happened, uh, to erase the memory and the history of the Palestinian people. Um, to what extent have the Israelis succeeded and have not succeeded in erasing Palestinian memory?
1: Uh, I, I don't think they've succeeded. They're trying very hard. Uh, They're changing the names of roads, Uh, they're changing some of the signage. In some places, there's absolutely no Arabic, uh, some English and Hebrew. Uh, The Palestinians still have their culture, and my book, Palestine is Our Home, is is an attempt to show people in the West that the Palestinian culture is alive and vibrant. We are still a community. Uh, We are building, we hope for the future and a lot of us hope for the right of return. So I don't think they're succeeding. Uh, Our memory is long and uh, we still hope for the future.
0: Explain the right of return.
1: The right of return is an individual right granted under international law. If you, for one reason or another, decide that you must leave your homeland, you have the right to return for whatever reason, health reasons, war, whatever you always have a right to return to to your homeland now you know there have been many wars where there are population uh, movements back and forth but they've been allowed to return if they so choose this is different in the case of Israel they are not allowing Palestinians to return soon after the creation of Israel a lot of Palestinians attempted to return and the Israeli government called them infiltrators and they were shot on sight our right of return is our personal right, and it cannot be mandated or or negotiated away by governments. It's a personal right that we have a right to go back to our home. Now, the Israelis have law for right of return as well. They claim that any Jew anywhere in the world has a right to go to Israel. Uh, as long as they're well-behaved people they're not criminals and so forth and be citizens in Israel we Palestinians who uh, trace our ancestry for centuries back in Palestine are not granted this right by the by Israel.
0: one of the symbols of that right uh, is the key uh, keys to homes
1: yes uh actually I have six keys from my home uh five keys from the home and one from my father's business whose office was in downtown Jaffa. You know, when you think about it personally, let's say you decide to go on a vacation. You think you'll be gone for a week. You uh, tidy up your house, you turn off the stove, you turn off the lights, and the last thing you do is you you lock the door and put the key in your pocket, and you go on your vacation expecting to come back. Now many Palestinians really thought, well, we'll leave uh, for safety. In my case, the Israelis were bombing the civilian areas of Jaffa, Jaffa, and the church across the street lost part of its roof uh, from one of those bombings, and my father thought this was too dangerous for us. So he said, well, let's just leave for a few weeks. When things calm down, we can return. Well, they didn't let us return. So many, many people have keys. They even have keys to homes and doors that don't exist anymore. Uh, in my case, uh, the front door to our house is still there. Uh, I don't, I'd don't. rather doubt that the key works, but uh, that's why the key is a symbol of the right of return. There are many keys with people still. They pass it on from uh, generation to generation. When I pass away, I intend to pass my six keys to my
0: children. If you are just joining us on Progressive Spirit, my guest is Dr. Nahida Gordon. She's the author of Palestine is Our Home, Voices of Lost Courage and Steadfastness, the editor of this work, in which you include uh, a number of voices. Uh, I want to talk about one of them with you. In the narrative by Machida Akram Fida, she was arrested and detained for running in an election. Uh, can you talk about her story and the practice of arrest and detention?
1: Yes, Mejda was running on a list in uh, Nablus for the municipal uh, seat, and she won. Uh, Several months later, I think six months to a year later, the Israelis declared the list on which she ran to be illegal, and so they decided to arrest her, and they arrested her on what is called administrative detention. This they can uh, renew every six months. They don't have to to uh, try you they can do it without a lawyer and so forth and in her case it was renewed four times and she spent a little bit over two years uh, in prison. The narrative in there tells about how she felt when it was like in prison. Uh, one time she told she was going to be released and she gave away all her belongings in prison and was all excited about rejoining her parents. Uh, And then the next morning when she was to be released half an hour before she found out that she was going to go through another cycle of administrative detention. It's a very poignant story. There are also a lot of uh, examples uh, of administrative detention of children, Israeli prisons. And on this subject, I'm presenting an overture at the Presbyterian General Assembly for the safety and well-being of children. Torture and mistreatment of Palestinian children in Israeli military jails is well documented by many human rights organizations. And I hope to bring this to the General Assembly and have uh, the, the church asking Israel to change its ways.
0: You are a member of the Presbyterian Church USA. The denomination is meeting in Portland this week. Uh, at the last General Assembly in 2014, the church divested from Caterpillar, Motorola, and Hewlett-Packard for non-peaceful activities in regards to the Israeli occupation of Palestine. And you're bringing up an overture uh, about children and human rights. What's the significance for Palestinians of the American church uh, to take on these kinds of actions?
1: They are very much behind this um, you may have seen uh, the wall separating Bethlehem from Jerusalem and the other Inverants. Before the General Assembly in 2014, there was a huge uh, drawing on the wall saying, Presbyterians, please divest. Now, a lot of the Israeli propaganda would saying, well, if you divest or you boycott, you're just hurting Palestinians. Palestinians understand that boycotting and divesting from Israeli companies that profit from the occupation is a good nonviolent means for making change. They've seen this happen historically, particularly in South Africa, and they are hoping that this would be one means for uh, making change uh, in the government of Israel and its actions in the West Bank. So they are very much for it uh, and uh, applaud the Presbyterians for doing this.
0: Now, someone said to me recently, uh, and, and you wrote it also in your book, it's been st- said to you, uh, that the Palestinians need a Gandhi or a Martin Luther King, uh, often heard. Uh, but this BDS movement is exactly that, isn't it? A nonviolent movement. And that itself is a threat to Israelis. Uh,
1: it, it really shouldn't be, but they feel that it is. The, the uh-huh. BDS call by the civil society and the Christian church in, in uh, ch- churches in Palestine basically is asking for three things. And all three things have been also passed by the Presbyterian Church and by the United Nations. One of them is mistreatment of Palestinians living in Israel. There are many laws that discriminate against Palestinians living in Israel. So they want equal human rights. for Palestinians in Israel. They want an end of the occupation. This is, again, something the Presbyterians have have called for over and over again, and the right of return or compensation for those who do not wish to return. And again, the Presbyterian Church has repeatedly uh, uh, stated that it backs the right of return, particularly in the 2010 report of the Middle East Study Committee, uh, and it has all these three things in it.
0: Dr. Nahida Gordon, my guest on Progressive Spirit, she's the editor of Palestine is Our Home, Voices of Loss, Courage, and Steadfastness. You write that the church's voices have been blunted because, uh, and I'm quoting you, they fell into the trap of addressing the conflict as one between two equal parties and not as one between an occupier and the occupied, Uh, end quote. So that aspect, and I often hear that people say, well, you know, they've been fighting over there forever. And Neither of those things are true, that it's uh, equal parties, or that Palestinians and Jews have been fighting forever.
1: Uh, that's true, particularly this, the second point you raise. Uh, my memory when I was a child in Palestine is that uh, for the most part, Jews, uh, uh, Christians and Muslims got along together quite well. Uh, what What the problem was is not the Jewish people, uh, the Israeli government. Uh, decided that they wanted a, a home for the Jews they wanted this without any Palestinians uh, and the, the the partition plan by the way that was proposed um, gave the the Jewish population 55 percent of the land even though they were 30 percent and uh, they gave 45% to the Palestinians, who were more than two-thirds of the population. And moreover, in the part they were to give to the Palestinians, only 1% were Jews, and in the part that they were to give to the Israelis, as much as 50% were Christians and Muslims. So the people running the Israeli government did not like that high proportion of Palestinians in the part that they wished for themselves. So that's why the ethnic cleansing began. So the the problems began with the high immigration of basically foreigners, people from the West, who came into Palestine, and uh, the fighting was not for centuries past as a matter of fact if you look at the history of of the crusades there are instances where the jews of palestine helped the muslims against the crusaders so you know history is is very rich and complicated and it's not simple as the israelis would have you believe that they've always been fighting that is just not true and the, the other issue the first one that you bring up that this is a fight amongst equals is so totally wrong Israel receives over $3 billion worth of armaments from the United States a year. The Palestinians are totally disarmed. Uh, They don't have guns. Uh, A few of them may be able to buy some guns, actually, from Israelis. Uh, They have knives, and they have mostly stones. But the majority of Palestinians feel that if they just continue to exist on their land, that that is a form of resistance. There's a huge uh, graffiti on the wall, uh, just as you leave Bethlehem that, that says to exist is to resist uh, and I have that in the book as well it's a beautiful full color graffiti so they feel that they they know now not to run away when the Israelis come and terrorize them they want to stay on their land they want to prosper and uh, persist they have a word for this in Arabic called sumud. They, they believe that through sumud and through centuries, they will overcome their troubles and Palestine will still be their, their homeland. Whether it's called Palestine or Israel doesn't make any difference, but that's their homeland. The Holy Land is their homeland.
0: I know a paper uh, that is being presented uh, to the Presbyterian Church General Assembly, of which you are speaking this this week, uh, makes the case for changing the church's longtime stance for a two-state solution to a solution based on human rights for all people. Uh, is this the kind of change uh, in the conversation that is needed by American churches?
1: Uh, yes, actually, the decision for one state. This is my personal opinion. The decision for a one-state or a two-state is really up to the Israelis and the Palestinians. Mm-hmm. In fact, it already is a one-state, and I think it's an apartheid state. In the West Bank, there, there is military law for the Palestinians, and there is civil law for the Israelis. And, and within Israel proper, there are, I'm told as many as 50 laws discriminating against Palestinians. The issue is human rights, and it's not up to the Presbyterians to decide whether it should be one or two states. And I think uh, uh, AC Swap has taken the correct stance uh, on the study of one state versus two states, and that we should work for human rights. This is really not any different than the previous stances of the Presbyterian Church. When they upheld the right of return, they upheld the right of, uh, to end occupation and so forth. I think it's an excellent statement. There are a few things in it I didn't quite agree with, points of fact, but on the whole, uh, concentrating on human rights is the way to go, both for, for Israeli citizens and as well for Palestinian citizens, both of them.
0: Nahida Gordon, uh, editor of Palestine is Our Home, Voices of Loss, Courage, and Steadfastness, uh, my guest on Progressive Spirit. I recently spoke uh, with a young Muslim woman on this program. She's a college student in Portland, and her parents lived in Gaza, and she visited her grandparents there uh, just after the uh, attack on Gaza in 2014. And she said that despite uh, that war, the people are strong. That what she said. That's the, the word that describes them most, strength. Um, now, the subtitle of your book is Lost Courage and Steadfastness. So personally for you, do you, do you see a path for justice in return? Do you see um, the hope of strength uh, for uh, Palestinians?
1: Y- yes. Uh, again, the word Samud that we like to use, and that means perseverance. We are strong, uh, in the sense that we now understand and know that we are not to run away from the Israelis. We are to stay on our land and persevere. And, and we think that in the long run we will overcome. We all have a hope that the world will know what is going on and hear our voices. That's why I wrote this book and I wanted actual voices of real people and the real experiences to be heard by the American public. And I really think that if the American public really understood the Palestinians, what they had gone through, uh, and understand their culture, and so forth, there will be a groundswell uh, influencing our government to stop supporting Israel's impunity against the Palestinians. Uh, we have hope, and we are strong, and we're not going to give up, and we're not going to go away.
0: Can you tell me a little bit more about your book and some of those voices? Uh, did one voice come to mind for you that you'd like to highlight here?
1: Well, the one I, I think I like the most in some ways is, is Gabby Baramki, who was the uh, second in command at Brzezit University during the 70s and the 60s and the 70s when Israel was closing the universities. There you really see the Palestinian spirit to overcome the occupation. They would close the university for months on end and the faculty and administrators would would organize classes in homes and and garages and so forth and so that students would continue to learn. The Israelis would would uh, go around trying to find uh, these classes and they called themselves illegal education which is sort of a ridiculous term. They didn't have a law against it, so they, they created this word, we are going after cells of illegal education and we will not stop. So you, you see the battle back and forth between the university and, it, and the faculty and the students and what, what the Israelis were doing to them, and you see this Palestinian spirit to overcome all hardships. Palestinians value education a great deal, and I think that through education, is one way that they can overcome what is happening to them.
0: I have uh, one more question back to the the BDS or Boycott Divest Sanctions movement. Dismantling the the wall, uh, full equality for Arab-Palestinian citizens of Israel and the right of return for Palestinian refugees to return to their homes. What is the state of the BDS movement today?
1: Well, I think in the last, uh, I believe, 10 years, it has come a long way. Uh, There are... uh, Besides the, the BDS uh, movement, there's also the the boycotting of academic institutions in Israel. They are both increasing. To me, one evidence that they are really having an effect on Israel is the fact that they have now a minister in charge of fighting BDS in the United States, and we have many state houses trying to pass. Uh, legislation against the BDS movement saying that if you support BDS then you can't do business with the the state government and so forth which is probably illegal under our First Amendment rights there are many companies that have withdrawn for example Viola which uh, was responsible for constructing a railway light railway uh, to Jerusalem for them settlements uh, finally pulled out of Israel it's having its effect we have a long way to go But we all believe that eventually it will have a sufficient effect that Israel hopefully change their minds in in the way they work
0: and and mistreat the Palestinians. My guest on Progressive Spirit has been Dr. Nahida Gordon. She's the editor of Palestine is Our Home, Voices of Lost Courage and Steadfastness. She's an elder in the Presbyterian Church and will be speaking at the Presbyterian General Assembly as it meets in Portland June 19th uh, through the 26th. Uh, A final word.
1: I hope that people would be interested enough to uh, purchase the book. Uh, I would like to say that once I make my expenses, uh, all profits are going to go to uh, Ravdat Sahur. This is a, a elementary school in East Jerusalem, which has children who cannot afford to go to, to private school. Uh, it, uh, is, it does not teach Islam or Christianity. It just teaches uh, uh, good moral behavior. It's a beautiful little school, they are under a great deal of financial pressure, and I'm hoping that the sales of the book uh, will help this little school uh, prosper and survive. Um, And I want to say again, that if you really want to know how the Palestinians feel uh, and think and meet them as people, not through the the eyes of the media, uh, read this book and uh, look at these stories and, and think
0: about Palestinians. Dr. Nahida Gordon has been my guest on Progressive Spirit, editor of Palestine is Our Home, Voices of Loss, Courage, and Steadfastness. It's a book uh, with a discussion and a leader's guide to uh, offer awakening about the Palestinian situation. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Gordon, for this book and for being with me today.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it very much.
0: You've been listening to Progressive Spirit, progressivespirit.net. From KBOO in Portland, I'm John Schott. You're welcome.